0: And you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, we'll be looking at several passages from God's Word this morning, but Genesis 15 is the main text. We'll turn there in a, in a brief moment. Praise God. Genesis chapter 15 within God's Word. If you don't have a study guide, lift up your hand, and the ushers will make sure you get a sermon study guide to follow along if you'd like to take notes this morning. Mitch loved going to the horse track and playing the ponies. Mitch was a gambler. Mitch loved betting on the horses. Uh, The problem was his betting, his gambling problem caused him to just lose his shirt financially until one day, One day, he noticed a Catholic priest coming up and blessing one specific horse. And he thought, why not? I'm going to bet on that horse. And sure enough, what happened? The horse won. I mean, by a long stretch. And Mitch, for the first time, won some moolah. He said... I've got something here. He noticed the next race. Priest did the same thing. Blessed, blessed the horse. He betted on, on the horse. And sure enough, won again. This time he doubled. Next time he tripled. Uh, quadrupled what he was betting. He was, At the end of the day, he was becoming a rich, rich man. By betting on the horse that the priest would bless each time. End of the day, last race, priest walked up to an old nag of a horse. Blessed the horse from Mitch's perspective. Mitch said, this time, this time, I'm going to bet everything I've got. I mean, he emptied his life savings. He bet everything that he could on that old nag that he saw the priest praying over. He said, this is it. I will be done. I will be set for a lifetime. Old nag barely made it across the finish line. It looked like it was about ready to have a heart attack as it stumbled in last of last place. Mitch! Just blew his temper. He came running up to the, to the Catholic priest and he said, Every time you prayed over a horse, every time you blessed a horse, it won. What happened? What happened with this race? The priest looked him in the eye and said, That's the problem with you Protestants. You can't tell the difference between a simple blessing and the last rites. (laughs) Can you tell a difference when you're blessed? Do you know what blessings are? Do you know that God wants to shower you with His blessings? Do you know that God wants to show you favor? Do you know that God wants to promote you? Do you understand and know that God wants to give you victory? Not defeat, blessing, not curse, life, and not death. This summer, I've devoted this entire message series this summer to favor living. Favor living. And I hope that you can join us. Let me tell you, you won't find favor living uh, getting a tan sitting next to the swimming pool. You'll find it in God's Word. Join us this summer. For favor living. One of the most important things that we can realize as a Christian, as a believer, is that God's favor is for real. And He wants you to experience it. Look up the word favor and you're going to find words like preferential treatment. You're going to find phrases like blessing. You're going to find phrases like uh, victory, prosperity. But more importantly, God's Word describes how God wants to give us favor. Look with me in Psalms chapter 5, verse 12. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous, you surround them with your favor as with a shield. Psalms 119, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. First Peter 1.13, hope to the end for the divine favor that is coming to you. In other words, God wants you to live a blessed life, a good life. He wants to promote you, provide for you, heal you, grant you victory. I can find nowhere in Scripture where God wants to demote you, where God wants to curse you, where God wants you sick, where God wants you impoverished, where God wants you the tail instead of the head. No, what do we read? His plan is for us to be the the head and not the tail. To give us power to get wealth. To be blessed. To move in victory and not in defeat. Victory vision is a word that I shared with you last week. Victory vision is a major key to walking in God's favor. What you choose to see, the vision that you cast before the screen of your imagination, the vision that you cast, the blueprint that you draw up for your life, is it positive or is it negative? What you continually keep before you, is what you will ultimately end up producing. That's a principle within God's Word. And we're going to explore that principle far more this morning. Victory vision is not what you see in the natural eye. Victory vision is looking through the eyes of faith. This is the teaching of God's Word. Paul said, we live by faith and not by sight. What do you see life through? What do you see your circumstances through? As you look and ponder the future, what do you see the future? Through what lens do you see your life through? Through the eyes of faith or through the natural eye? The second part of this major faith truth for favor living is the title I've given to this message this morning. This morning's message is simply entitled, stargazer. I'm going to ask you to be a stargazer with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to lift up your heads, to look up, and to see what God sees. We can choose to keep our heads hanging down in despair, disillusionment, and defeat, or we can lift up our heads and join God in being stargazers. Father, the name of Jesus, come, sweet Holy Spirit. And Lord, indelibly imprint this word upon our hearts that indeed, Lord, we'd walk by faith and not by sight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Write it down, if you would. For 25 years, Abraham and Sarah lived an impossible dream. When Abraham was 75 years old and Sarah was 65 years old, God made some powerful promises to this senior citizen couple. Do you remember the promises that God made to Abraham and Sarah? It's best to read them instead of just reciting them. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In addition, God said in Genesis 17, to Abraham this is my covenant with you you will be the father of many nations no longer will you be called Abram your name will be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations I will make you very fruitful I will make nations of you and Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God. And the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner. I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. Hallelujah. Wow such awesome promises. God even changed their names from Sarai to Sarah, from Abram to Abraham to reflect the awesome promises He was giving them. Yet all of God's promises, all of the blessings that God wanted to release into Abraham and Sarah's lives, all hinged on what? Whether or not they would have children. All they needed was just one child. One child. And here's the rub. Here's the problem they don't have any children not even one Sarah has been barren, sterile all of these years plus now they're too old to have children imagine they're hurt every time the guys get together and take out their smartphones and show off from their photo gallery the pictures of their kids and their grandkids Abraham's got nothing to show. Every time the girls are on Facebook and doing FaceTime with one another, showing off kids and grandkids, Sarah's got nothing to show. Imagine how people laughed when they went to a fancy restaurant and the maitre d' says, uh, get the table uh, ready for Abraham and Sarah. Abraham which means father of many nations Sarah whose name means mother of many nations people snickered that's crazy they don't even have one child you can imagine what it was like for them living in that big tent they'd been empty nesters from day one there's folks here this morning that uh, their greatest day was when they became empty nesters (laughs) and yet Abraham and Sarah in that big tent there's one corner of the tent that they never went to they look the other way because a crib lies empty the toys have never been played with dust has come down upon all of the baby paraphernalia that they had planned for, that they had hoped for. The nursery that they had dreamed would be occupied, it has now collected dust. It's a distant memory, it's an impossible dream. And every time they looked at that neglected, empty nursery, They were reminded of barrenness, emptiness. That the promises were empty promises. Like Abraham, we Christians, write it down. We've been given incredible promises. Incredible promises. By who? By religion. By the assemblies of God? By Pastor Phil? By God himself. Promises of what? For his favor and blessings to be poured out upon our lives. Listen, for instance, Romans chapter 8 verse 31. If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things do you see how vital how important the scripture verse is God gave us his best what's God's best Jesus if Paul is saying if God gave us his best Jesus will he not also give us all the things that we need even things that we desire will not God give us all things since it's God's will to give us all things what's your impossible dream what's your dusty nursery what's your empty baby crib where has your hope become barren and your dreams become lifeless is it your studies is it your school work your school dreams Do you feel like everybody else is getting it? Except you? Is it your job? Is it your career? Do you feel like you were destined for so much more, yet you have fallen short? You're stuck in a rut? Perhaps it's your health. You've seen at least three different doctors, and you've received at least three different opinions, and you're still sick. Is it your marriage? Has your marriage become barren? Oh, yeah, your marriage is legal, but has it become loveless and not just legal? Maybe, unlike Abraham and Sarah, it's not an issue of being physically barren. Oh, you have children, but they're away from God. Your children are spiritually barren spiritually empty that brings me to my next point write it down it's vital to realize the powerful catalyst that God gave Abraham to ignite his faith God didn't want Abraham to keep looking at an empty nursery God didn't want Abraham to keep looking at an empty crib God wanted to paint a new picture of faith. God wanted to give Abraham a new vision that he would keep in front of himself. You don't believe me? Then read our main text this morning. Genesis chapter 15. God took Abraham outside. Outside what? Outside of his tent. And said, look up at the sky. Count the stars if indeed you can count them then he said to him so shall your offspring be Abram believe the Lord and God credited it to Abraham as righteousness wow God wanted to paint a new picture God wanted to cast a new vision God wanted to give a new blueprint a blessing and favor that Abraham would keep in front of his mind's eye, to keep in front of his faith's eye, that Abraham would stop looking at the emptiness. Abraham would stop looking at uh, the empty crib, the dusty nursery, that Abraham would every night, uh, for the next 25 years, lift up his head, open up his eyes, and count the stars, and be a stargazer. Think of it. Think of it. Think of it, when my grandpa went to high school, when my grandpa went to high school science, at that time, check out my history, what were they teaching in high school science class? That the entire universe was just the Milky Way galaxy. Now, with the Hubble Space Telescopes and even more advanced space telescopes beyond Hubble, We now know that there are more galaxies in our universe than there are stars in our own Milky Way galaxy. The greater the telescope, the greater the size of God's universe. Indeed, when God said that the stars were innumerable, when God says you can't count the stars, he was speaking. Pointing that which was incredible, advanced scientific knowledge, over 3,000 years ago, revealed to Abraham that the stars were innumerable, and in like manner, the offspring, the descendants, the children of Abraham would be innumerable as well. It was an awesome dream. It was an awesome vision. God was repainting the canvas upon the screen of Abraham's imagination. God was using the stars as a catalyst to ignite the faith of Abraham. Encourage his faith so that he could believe it and then receive it. God understands that we are visual human beings. What you wake up with every single day The picture that you paint of yourself, your circumstances, your future, what you keep before your eyes, you will end up producing. You keep a vision of negativity, you keep a vision of demotion, a vision of impoverishment, a vision of sickness, a vision of defeat, and you'll get just what you see. But if you choose to lift up your eyes, if you choose to look up at the nighttime skies, if you choose to be a stargazer like Abraham, your stars might be your health. If you choose to see yourself healthy instead of sick, if you choose to see yourself married instead of divorced and in love. If you choose to see yourself, hallelujah, as being promoted, as succeeding in Christ Jesus, because apart from Him, we can do nothing but with Him, all things are possible to them that believe. Amen? Amen. And as we continue spiritually through the eyes of faith to be stargazers and see what God wants us to see, to see what God points out, To see what God lays before us as a vision of blessing, a vision of success, a vision of prosperity, a vision of goodness, a vision of favor. God brings it into fruition into our lives. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not preaching, you know, a brand new Cadillac in everybody's garage. I'm not saying that. God might give that to you. Praise the Lord. You know, God might give you a brand new Chevy. God might give you a brand new Ford. God might give you a brand new Chrysler if I hit all of them. (laughs) The important thing is, are you seeing with God's eyes? Are you walking and, and watching through the eyes of faith? What are you keeping before you? What we continually keep before us is what will ultimately produce in our lives. That's a fact of God's Word. It's a fact of life. Abraham kept the nighttime sky before him. Abraham kept looking up. Abraham, for the next 25 years, became God's stargazer. And because he kept God's vision for his life before him. Because he chose to see as God called him to see. What was the result? Oh, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us the result. By faith Abraham, and by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he is good as dead in the natural came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore somebody give praise to the Lord this morning don't let those clouds out there cloud your spirit somebody, hallelujah give a shout of amen praise the Lord enjoying God's favor, write it down comes through restored vision not your vision, his vision His vision. God's vision for Abraham had had been to be a stargazer. To see his descendants as numerous as the stars. Yet Abraham still struggled, as we often struggle. In Genesis 15, even though Abraham was looking at the stars, being a stargazer, Read the chapter, Genesis 15. Abraham still thought that God was going to work through his servant, Eliezer. In that day, and custom, in that cultural context, if you had no children, if you had no children, your number one employee, your number one associate, would end up inheriting all of your business, all of your family goods. They would inherit all the blessings. And so, if you read chapter 15, Abraham speaks to God and says, So, um, you're going to fulfill all your promises through my servant, Eliezer. And God says, No, I'm going to give you and Sarah a son. Go all the way to Genesis chapter 17. It's years later. Abraham has still been stargazing. And in Genesis 17, Abraham talks to God. And Abraham says, So you're going to fulfill all of your promises through ishmael my son by hagar and god says no i'm going to give you and sarah a son notice how abraham struggled as we often struggle this is important to note but there finally came a time there finally came a moment that after continue stargazing after continuing to meditate and to focus uh, and to ponder uh, upon God's vision for his life the stars that Abraham said God said it I believe it I receive it that settles it I'm going to act on it he came home to the tent one night and he said hurry I've been to a prayer meeting. <laughs> I've been looking up at the stars night after night. And finally, it has taken hold. Honey, uh, we're going to have a baby. But she said, uh, honey, I- I'm 90 and you're 100. I know, but it's honeymoon time. <laughs> now you laugh. But my Bible says that faith without works is what? Yeah. Dead. Amen so don't get spiritual on me here I mean the Bible is earthy it really is it's it's real it's not enough just to believe you gotta act on the promises and Abraham the way he acted on the promises the way Sarah because it takes two acted on the promises hallelujah it was honeymoon time under the stars for Abraham and Sarah and uh, and God took that old battery in Abraham and recharged it, and sparks flew from Dan to Beersheba, hallelujah, and in a womb that was twice dead, God brought a miracle and Sarah at age 90 how many of you seniors would love this at age 90 God gave her a baby God fulfilled the promises God took away her shame and they had a child and his name was Isaac and the name Isaac means laughter <laughs> don't tell me that's by coincidence God's got a humor, amen? (laughs) Isaac's name, laughter. And they had their impossible dream fulfilled in God's timing as a lesson to us all. To keep looking up and to keep seeing what God wants you to see. What God wants you to focus on. Victory, vision, stargazing. That's what God is calling us to. It's a simple truth. It's a simple truth. You cannot give birth to something that you have not already conceived in your spirit. Abraham ultimately gave birth to that which he had actualized, that which he had conceived in his spirit. We ministered on this last week. Jesus came into town in Mark chapter 5. And there was a woman in town who had had a hemorrhaging problem, a bleeding problem for how many years? Twelve years. Had she gone to the doctors? You should go to the doctors. Don't avoid the doctors. She had gone to the doctors. Was she any better for going to the doctors? No. How much of her money had she spent on the doctors in order to get better? All of it. She must have been under the Affordable Care Act. She spent all of her money on the doctors and she was no better for it than she heard Jesus was in town. I said, she heard that Jesus was in town. I said, she heard that Jesus was in town. And she conceived in her spirit. And she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She had a vision. She had, she had an idea. She focused in upon seeing herself whole. She focused in upon seeing herself healthy and healed. She kept God's vision of favor before her eyes. If I can but touch Him, I shall be made whole. She conceived it on the inside and she birthed healing on the outside. I say unto you, in the name of Jesus before you're healed on the outside you got to get healed on the inside you got to get healing in your spirit before you can manifest it in the flesh this is what the woman did she was a stargazer she repainted the canvas she refashioned a uh, faith's photo uh, before her eyes of faith and she pursued a new way of seeing a new way of looking And that's what you and I need to do ma'am sir young person stop allowing stop allowing your negative vision to keep you discouraged depressed and defeated stop seeing your circumstances your future your person the way the devil wants you to see where the devil wants to portray it, stop letting the devil write the script. Stop letting the devil be the producer and the director of a movie called Your Life. Start asking God to open your eyes, to lift up your head. Start asking Him to, to have a new vision. Stop believing in that negative vision that you're pursuing and start seeing what God wants you to see. Start letting Him help you paint a new picture like Abraham with God's help if you change what you're seeing you'll change what you're birthing in the name of Jesus you'll birth God's favor God's promises God's best for your life write it down with me favor living doesn't come easy people who see their dreams come to pass have real resolve real backbone they persevere when God told Abraham to be a stargazer. When God told Abraham that his descendants, his offspring would be as numerous as the stars. When Abraham was confronted by reality, by the facts, what were the facts? Fact, he had no children. Fact, his wife was barren. Fact, his wife was old beyond childbearing years. Fact, he, the husband, was an old man as well. Still, Genesis 15:6, Abraham believed. I said, Abraham believed. He believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. Listen, there is no room, there is no room in God's kingdom for quitters, dropouts people that go A-W-O-L Pastor, that's pretty strict Pastor, I thought that once you got it you can't lose it that's not what Jesus said Jesus said very clearly in Luke chapter 9 Jesus said no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God if you know anything about farming and about plowing the only way to plow a straight furrow is to keep your eye fixed on a point in the horizon ahead of you. If you look back while you're plowing, what kind of furrow are you gonna have? Crooked as a dog's leg. There's no room in the kingdom for quitters. Jesus said in Matthew 24, He that endures to the end shall be saved. Listen, this business uh, of waking up every morning and, and seeing with God's eyes It takes a real man, it takes a real woman to do this. It takes a real man, it takes a real believer to wake up each and every morning and and look out, and it's been pouring down rain for the fifth day in a row. Cloudy out. In glorious God's country, Michigan. It takes a real man or a real woman to wake up, and and instead of being, you know, mealy molly grubby with your wife, or your children, your husband... To wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. No cloud, no rain, no uh, uh, bad weather is going to spoil my attitude. I choose to paint God's picture for my day. I choose to paint promotion. I choose to paint Hallelujah. Prosperity, health, and God's favor. I choose to see as God is seeing in and through my life. I won't quit. I won't put up. I won't shut up. I'm going to press into God's presence. I'm going to square my shoulders. I'm going to lift up my head. I'm going to be a stargazer. Hallelujah. I want to see what God sees. We're called to be what my generation used to call call it Timex Christians. How many of my generation do you remember that TV commercial with the elephant coming down on a certain brand of watch, a Timex watch, and bearing his weight down on that watch? I don't even remember the guy's name in the TV commercial, but I remember what he said. Remember what he said after the elephant put all of his weight down upon the watch and the watch was uh, uh, unimpaired? I mean, it it, it continued to function. What did that commentator say? That commentator said, Timex takes a licking and keeps on ticking. There it is. Amen. Amen. Are you a Timex Christian? Huh? Are you the one that can take a licking and keep on ticking and you're able to keep your head held high and no matter what happens, you look at the picture that God has painted for your life and you keep focused on that no matter what. You see, there comes a time in every life where quitting looks good. There comes a time in everybody's life where the problems seem insurmountable, when the giants seem unbeatable, when the mountains seem unmovable, when defeat seems inescapable, when retreat seems to be the only option. That's when nine words, nine words should characterize your life and my life. In the name of Jesus, I will not quit. I cannot, I shall not, I will not quit. I will not quit. But pastor, pastor, I've reached the end of my rope. Then tie a knot in it and hold on. Tie a knot in it and hold on. It's always too soon to quit. Write it down. Don't let guilt, regret, or sin keep you from God's best. By His grace, you can reset your life and enjoy favor living. One pastor, one pastor was preaching eloquently in oratorical style, and he finally gave the rhetorical question in his preaching. He shouted out, who is the perfect man? Tell me, who is the perfect man? Congregation went silent. One man stood up and said, my wife's first husband. Were Abraham and Sarah perfect? Oh, that gives me such encouragement. It really does. It gives me so much encouragement that uh, I can reset because my life's not perfect and neither is yours. Uh, Abraham and Sarah. Read with me Genesis chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him how many children? no children but she had an egyptian slave named hagar and i can imagine hagar being a beautiful slave girl and so sarah said to abram the lord notice she blames it on god the lord has kept me from having children go sleep with my slave perhaps I can build a family through her. And then we have the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. (laughs) It's the quickest response of any husband to his wife throughout all of history. Abram says, sounds like God's will to me. All the problems of the Middle East today can be traced back to that husband who followed his wife's lead instead of her need. Wives, you are called by God to follow your husband's lead. Husbands, at the same token, you are to fulfill your wife's deepest need. You bring those two together, you have a dynamic, loving marriage lifestyle. That's not my sermon this morning, but that's a major problem that we see here with Abraham and Sarah. God had promised Abraham a son from both him and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah deviate. From God's plan and God's will like Adam who followed Eve into sin Abraham follows Sarah into sin Abraham misses out on being the spiritual leader of the home but Abraham and Sarah's lapse of faith gives me hope we all have our Hagar's we've all slipped up at one time or another From being stargazers as God has called us to be. But when you read Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Heroes of the faith. God's hall of faith. Where the heroes of the faith are mentioned. There's only one married couple mentioned in all of Hebrews chapter 11. Who's the one married couple that is showcased in God's heroes of the faith? What married couple? Abraham and Sarah. Now when you read that in Hebrews 11, as God looks back on Abraham and Sarah, he doesn't mention any faults, only only their faith. He doesn't mention any failings, only their faith and faithfulness. That gives me hope. I can look back. With a lot of regret, I can look back at skeletons in the closet. I can look back at at transgressions, iniquities, and sins. But as I'm in Christ Jesus and Jesus is in me, that tells me that one day when God looks back, He's not going to see my sin. He's not going to see my faults or my failings. He's only going to see my faith and my faithfulness. Because of me? No. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ all over me and all over you. His grace is greater than any of our sins. Hallelujah. He remembers our sins against us no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lastly, birthing God's favor. Victory vision comes by releasing. Releasing by confessing God's promises in your life every day. Genesis 17, 15. I have read this for 50 plus years, and I've never gotten it until today. Well, really, last night, studying for this message. God also said to Abraham, in addition to being a stargazer, God gave him another faith catalyst. God also said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. So what, Pastor? What is that all about? Think of it. How many times a day does your husband call you by your name? Oh, yeah, I know he calls you. Honey, babe, sweetheart, sugar muffin. <laughs> but Abraham was no longer to view her. God was painting a new picture through his confession. He was no longer to refer to her as Baron Sarai. Baron Sarai. Baron Sarai. Baron Sarai. But every time he said, Sarah, 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 he was confessing, Mother of Nations, 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 could I have a cup of coffee? Mother of Nations, you cook a great meal. Mother of Nations, you keep this tent so tidy. Mother of Nations, you look better now than when I married you. Mother of Nations, I'm falling in love with you more and more as the days go by. Mother of Nations, uh, uh, I I love you more today than I did yesterday. And not as enough as tomorrow. Hallelujah. He kept, he kept, God had him confessing over and over Mother of Nations, Mother of Nations, Mother of Nations, Mother of Nations. When you confess the promises of God, you're releasing supernatural power into your life. You see, our words shape our destiny. Our words have power. Our words have life. Our words paint a picture. Our words, our words give us a faith photo, uh, a victory vision, or a defeatist vision. What kind of picture is your word painting? What kind of picture is your word imprinting upon your life? Proverbs 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. There's no middle ground here. You're either speaking life or you're speaking death. Look at the New Testament version, Romans 10, 10. Paul says, it is with your mouth, your mouth, your mouth, that you profess your faith and are saved. Again, your speech will impact your destiny. Every day, your words are releasing vision for your life. Your words are painting the vision. Your words are leading either to life or death, victory or defeat. I don't know about you, but I have determined to have a never again list. You might want to write this down. Uh, You might want to write down that you're going to start having a never again list. Write it down. I'm going to start having a never again list because Dr. Phil told me. I'm going to have a never again list. Write it down. As for me and my, my house, never again will we confess debt. Never again will we confess unemployment or poverty. For my God shall supply all of our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Never again are we going to confess worry, anxiety, or fear. Because our God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love power and a sound mind. Never again will we confess failure, uh, loss or defeat because we are more than conquerors through him that has loved us. Hallelujah. Never again are we going to confess I can't because we can be healed. We can be set free from our habits. We can have a healthy marriage, a healthy family. We can see our dreams fulfilled. Because we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Hallelujah. Do you see it? Never again. As you confess the promises of God, you begin to paint the vision of God into your life, and you release supernatural life into your circumstances, into your future, into your situation. God constantly wants us to keep His vision, to be stargazers before us. Oh, did you see the news this week? I was telling the Wednesday night congregation, uh, Wednesday night news, uh, they are taking a certain zoo, a zoo, to court for keeping monkeys behind bars. Here's the logic. This is where our world is going. Since we've evolved from monkeys, monkeys should have the same rights as we humans. So they shouldn't be kept behind bars. And the logical extension of this in their legal arguments is that this should extend to whales and dolphins and where the list ends, who knows? Such is the foolishness of sin. Or, for instance, you have heard in the news most recently how now we're going to have to start changing the insignias and the symbols over our restroom doors. Or we're going to have to create a a third set of restrooms. One that uh, has the symbol uh, of a man wearing pants. One that has the symbol of a woman wearing a skirt. And one that has the symbol of uh, it (laughs) wearing half a skirt (laughs) to include the transgenders this is where our world is going if you were the devil what kind of a picture would you paint? if you were the devil what kind of vision would you give this world? Have you ever read, If I Was the Devil? Put it up on the screen for us this morning. If I were the devil, uh, I mean, if I were the prince of darkness, I would, of course, want to engulf the whole earth in darkness. I would have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I would not be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. So I should set about however necessary to take over the United States. I would begin with a campaign of whispers, with the wisdom of a serpent. I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper, the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what is bad is good, and what is good is square. In the ears of the young marrieds, I would whisper that work is debasing. That cocktail parties are good for you. I would caution them not to be extreme in religion and patriotism and moral conduct. And the old I would teach to pray. I would teach them to say after me, our father which art in Washington. If I were the devil. I'd educate authors on how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. And then if I were the devil, I'd get organized. I'd infiltrate unions and urge more loafing and less work because idle hands usually work for me. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction and I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Let those run wild. I would designate an atheist to front for me before the highest courts in the land. And I would get preachers to say, she's right. With flattery and promises of power, I would get the courts to rule what I construe as against God, and in favor of pornography, and thus, I would evict God from the courthouse, and then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress, and then in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion. And I would defy, deify, deify science because that way men would become smart enough to create super weapons but not wise enough to control them. If I were Satan, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I would take from those who would have and I would give to those who wanted until I'd kill the incentive of the ambitious and then my police state would force everybody back to work. Then I could separate families putting children in uniform, women in coal mines and objectors in slave camps. In other words, if I were Satan, I'd just keep on doing what he's doing. Who said this? Paul Harvey, April the 3rd. 1965. And practically everything that he said those many years ago has become fulfilled. Right has become wrong. Wrong has become right. You spend a morning or evening watching the news. You will get depressed, distressed, disillusioned, and uh, completely defeated as a Christian. But God doesn't want you to paint that picture. God doesn't want you to live with that picture. God doesn't want you to live with that vision. What kind of a vision does God want you to see? Jesus said when you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head, <laughs> lift up your eyes for your redemption draweth nigh, because very soon, glory to God, the eastern skies will unzip and He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up to be in the air with Him forevermore. Keep that picture before your eyes your eyes of faith keep your head up your your shoulders squared walk in victory not in defeat and watch what God can do in you and through you not only receiving a blessing but being a blessing in the name of Jesus Jesus as our keyboardist comes this morning do we have a keyboardist Yes, we do. Praise God. Way to go, Bill. Jesus was walking through the town of Jericho. On the way to what? Where was Jesus going? The Bible says his face was set like flint. Jesus was going through the little town of Jericho. On the way to where? To be hung upon a cross as Jesus was passing by, Jesus is always passing by. As Jesus was passing by, all of a sudden a blind beggar said, Jesus, O oh, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus kept walking. Jesus, thou oh, Son of David, have mercy on me. The people around him said, shut up, don't disturb the master. He only shouted louder. Jesus the Son of David have mercy on me and Jesus instead of passing by came nigh unto the man and they led the blind beggar to Jesus we can imagine him and I find it almost comical what did Jesus ask him Jesus said what do you want me to do for you What's obvious but there's power in confession I said there's power in confession and what did Jesus hear the man say put it on the screen I want to see I believe that that's a word that is deep down in your heart this morning. The man said, I want to see. And Jesus said, may it be unto you. He spoke a word. And the man instantly could see. His blindness was gone. Some of you... You've got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. You've got a bad diagnosis from the financial planner. You've got a bad diagnosis from the experts and the specialists. And that's all you've been seeing. That's all you've been seeing. All you've been seeing is that you're a nobody. That you're a failure. That you're you're going to live in poverty the rest of your life. That you're going to be demoted. That, that, that you're unworthy. That nothing good will come your way. And you've been living with that and camping with that yeah but living in the tent and God wants you to come outside and to lift up your head and he wants you to say I want to see I want to see what you're seeing Lord I'm sick and tired of seeing what the devil is painting in my life I want to see I want to see victory I want to see healing. I want to see my children being saved. I want to see you, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see. I believe that's the card's cry of many that are here this morning. I want to see. Father, in the name of Jesus, come, come. Come, sweet Holy Spirit. Come, sweet Holy Spirit. Come and heal the eyes of faith. Come and heal blindness. Come and heal, oh God, lack of vision. Come and heal, oh God. I pray that which smacks of depression, despair, and defeat. Even now, God, begin your word. Precious Jesus, would you stand with me? Stand with me quietly right now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. Precious Jesus, do you find that cry leaping up in your spirit? Lord, I want to see. I want to see. How many are here this morning as heads are bowed and eyes are closed? How many are here this morning? And the devil has deceived you. Or life has just ground you down to such a point. All you've been seeing is the negative. And this morning, you want God to paint a brand new picture across the screen of your imagination. You want to see the victory that God has planned for you this morning. You want to be a stargazer. How many? How many? His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Lift up your hand right now. Lift up your hand right now. God's wanting to do a new thing here this morning. Precious Jesus, yes, 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 yes. All across, all across this room. Praise the Lord. Yes, here on the main floor and up in the the balcony. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Precious Jesus. God bless you. Amen. 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 You may put those hands down. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. I'm going to allow you right now to take that response of faith and let it move into the legs of faith because faith without works is dead. And I believe that God is going to do a new thing here this morning. I believe that miracles are at this altar this morning. As the the praise team sings this morning, I want the elders to come. I want the pastors to come. Elders and spouses, pastors and spouses, come. Come even right now. Stand with me across this altar. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Praise team. We are here to worship you. Worship and truth. If you raise your hand this morning, I want you to come down here to begin to receive ministry from the elders. If you lifted up your hand, come right now. Elders, come up on the step, please.